Well, hello, everybody. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are in the world, and welcome in to yet another episode of Buddhist Biohacker. We are nearing the end of two years, and we're on 229 episodes. And for everybody who's joining in the live, don't forget, you can ask questions. Please, please, please share where you are in the world. We love hearing that. And also, I would love one word from everybody today about how you're feeling um, and how you're feeling going into the holiday weekend. And I'm super excited because our guest today is like a, a minor celebrity to me and um, founder of Shakti School, one of my Ayurveda teachers that I love so, so much and author of Healthy, Happy, Sexy. Yep, we have electronic books these days. Katie Silcox, welcome. Wow, I have to just say, I'm so blown away by your your platform and the intro. I felt like I was like going on a mystic journey and it was like slightly techno and then there was like DNA spiraling everywhere. And I was like, you know, this woman, Lisa, has created this. This is like you are the embodiment of Shakti Goddess is actually you. So thank you for your creativity. It's so fun to be here with you, Lisa. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited. And um, everything I learned from you in 2020, which was a wild time to do level one of Shakti school. Um, a wild time to teach it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little crazy for sure. Um, but I just, your teaching style and your values and what you stand for is so much a part of me. So mm -hmm. I am so happy I found you. And thank you. My husband actually did all the music. He is a drummer and a electronics something or other musician. And so anyway, so thank you. His music is the best part. I feel like we're walking out onto like a real show when we hear music. It's awesome. Well, my first question for you is my favorite one that I ask every single guest, which is, who are you today? Mm. <laughs> just that small starter question. <laughs> yeah, just a yeah. little tiny one. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the thing, the thing about being is it can't be expressed. And, and yet the beautiful part of being human is that we try. And that, that is art. That's what all philosophers and poets and painters and writers and mystics are doing. We're, we're putting, we're attempting to put form and, and substance around, around this quality of our being. And today we just, we just put out a minute, a mini film called she is. Mm -hmm. And I sent out an email and in the email, it said, I realized that really who I am can be kind of broken down into two things. So it's funny you're asking me this question. One is this sort of wild, chaotic, um, confused, beautiful, messy <laughs> experience, mm -hmm. an emotional, thought-filled, you know, body, experiential, somatic, kaleidoscopic experience. And then, and then there's this other thing that is, and that other thing that is doesn't have digestive issues. It doesn't need new year's resolutions. It doesn't really want a boyfriend or it could care less. In fact, there's this part of me that 
is always ready to be there and and to express infinite amounts of love and wisdom for me and that's a thing that i share with you and so you know buddhist biohacker let's get the techno going you know or come over to the shakti school and see what we're doing as i'm creative you know it's like then we just get to play and 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 be these different flowering creatures so that's how i would answer that question at this moment i love it i love it and you know you said something that um is is part goes along with what you're saying which you had you had said somewhere on some article about it's not about becoming enlightened it's about being enheartened and that really resonated with me because um, part of so uh, context for me, most everybody watching knows, but I followed His Holiness the Dalai Lama around for seven years, and yeah. you know part of part of his teachings, of course, is the Bodhisattva vow, which is giving up enlightenment uh, to serve others. And I felt like when you said that, that's so much of who you are and who I. Am, a lot of us who just want to give service on the planet. So um, I don't know if you want to say anything else about enlightenment or enhearted being enheartened or any of those things but sure i mean i have to give credit to my friend jeff brown who taught me that word enheartenment because he with with great fire in his voice is so anti-enlightenment and i have to say i'm not i'm a big fan of the word enlightenment because it is literal it means get your shit in light like <laughs> whether it be your body, your emotions, your thoughts, like as soon as we bring in, it sounds cheesy, but it's true. It's just love and light. As soon as we start to bring that in, literally things get more, more light in their weight, but also more, more, there is more light. But what I love about that shift that he gave us called enheartenment is that it invites us into what I call the divine feminine. And it invites us into our body and um, it, it invites us to understand that the relational realm of me and you, that horizontal plane, is a realm in which we may find God. But we will not unless we actually have a relationship that is vertical to the divine. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, I, I can't speak to what the Dalai Lama's current practice is, but what I'm certain of is that he does something every day. And, you know, when you become a Tibetan Lama, you devote your whole life to getting vertical so that you actually can be a bodhisattva on the horizontal level. It is the symbol of the crucifix, you know, the cross and every other symbol has that formation in it. And, you know, let me just say one more thing about it. It's, it's like, we have this tendency to want to be either or, and it's always both. You know, I, I was in a cab the other day, really wanting to do my, my practices, my inner practices. I was on the way to the airport and I really wanted to like be quiet and do my energy practices. And <laughs> this cab driver, Uber driver wanted to chat. Oh no. <laughs> He was super chatty. And he, and if you know Ayurveda, he was like classic Pitta Kapha, like <laughs> very juicy and, and jolly and Santa Claus like. And, you know, he wanted to kick it and talk and not really talk, but be heard. Mm -hmm. 
And I noticed that immediate instinct in me of like, ugh, I just want to be quiet and I want to be in the bliss of my own energy and I want to connect with God. And then luckily God laughed at me and was like, what the hell do you think is happening right now? Like, mm. And this will bring tears to my eyes, Lisa. He said, you're with my son, mm. this man, you know, that was in his fifties. He's my mm. son. It makes me think of Jesus, you know? And in that moment, all this love as it, as it is right now, all this love started to pour into me and, and through me and to this man. And, you know, of course the man's like, this is the best conversation I've ever had. Even though I didn't say one word, it was just that state of the enheartenment that we both got to be in. That was so much bigger than me, but I will take a little of the credit because of the teachings say you have to open your heart. You have to take that first step and then God will rush through you and into you. And in that moment, my God, Lisa, that was better than any meditation practice I ever could have mm. done on my own. So that's really what enheartenment is for me. That's so beautiful. And creating space like that is so important right now with all that's happening around us. That's yeah. beautiful. And um, Tracy, I'll just share your comment. She said that is going to be her new motto, enheartened. And hi, Tracy, I know you're out in the Midwest. So um, I see a lot of you guys are on here. Don't be shy, you guys. Share. We Don't love it. Shy. This is so fun. We're going to redo our whole podcast and totally <laughs> copy you, Lisa. And I'll give you all the credit because I'm good at giving credit, girl. I'm like, look at this. This is so much more fun. Isn't it? It's so fun. And it's, I call it spiritual CNN in here, even though CNN, maybe not such a great vibration, but it's this really fun little place to be. I love it so much. And it's a sacred circle for sure. And um, I want to talk about feminine form Ayurveda. Um, so I, I selfishly wanted to have an audience with you to tell you this one thing, which is just driving me crazy because I love it so much. You know, so here we are, Buddhist biohacker, right? And biohacking, I had mold exposure in 2016. So, and really before that, you know, I've done the parasites mold candida journey. And so biohacking has saved my life. But, you know, biohacking is, is hacking, right? It's masculine. Mm -hmm. And so in Shakti school, the very first, I think it was like the first class you taught, you talked about what feminine form Ayurveda was. And it really inspired me that we want to create this movement or I want to create this movement about biotransformation. Because mm -hmm. to me, biotransformation is the feminine of the biohacking. Mm -hmm. And the way that you spoke of what feminine form was, was so beautiful. And I would love, I mean, I introduce you to my community and I would love for you to share what feminine form Ayurveda is mm -hmm. today too, because I'm sure it's evolved. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny, you're, you're, you and I are tracking such similar things because I just had a meeting with someone where I'm help, getting a little bit of help articulating what I'm doing and what I want to do. And um, it just so happened to be someone very, very involved in the initial days of the creation of the term biohacking. Mm. Yeah. So we, I said to him, I really feel like I'm like the feminine form of biohacking. And 
you know, of course I'm not alone. Here you are, Lisa, as well. We're just intuiting what the goddess or God or spirit, universe, whatever we want to call it, is asking to have happen. And what I said was, you know, Ayurveda is the original biohack. You know, and mm -hmm. so in some ways we're kind of all just like playing with the semantics of the words, but words do matter. And so what I really am attempting to impress upon my students and to remember in my own practice is this mudra where you're holding two things at once and 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 you hold them and it's like fire and water that's what mm -hmm. it feels like to exist on the planet right now right <laughs> yeah. and and they seem like they're opposites and so of course we feel like we're polarized we're being asked to hold really difficult oppositional things our ancient brothers and sisters who are in us knew that and 5,000 years ago in the Charaka Samhita, they wrote us a message from India and it said, Ayurveda, Ayurveda, the science of life, this has nothing to do with masculine and feminine. If anything, it's all feminine because it's nature, but it's infused with the divine masculine, right? Consciously. Mm -hmm. So it says that Ayurveda, the science of life, if we're gonna evolve and biohack, it has to be adapted to the time and the place and the people in which it's being presented. And that's mm -hmm. how people like me and you are like, hell yeah, I want the new product or give me that machine that helps me do this and that. Cause you know, <laughs> I, I remember someone getting so mad at me and it was like such a hilarious Facebook message. And it said, you're, you know, you're everything wrong with Ayurveda cause you're so traditional. How dare you give them a recipe for a smoothie with a Vitamix? And I was like, <laughs> dude, do you know how quickly these ancient Indian beauties, mamas, doctors, gurus would be like, oh my God, this Vitamix is super helpful. Ayurveda is, and Tantra is, how can we get to our goal in the most elegant and efficient way possible? You get to decide what that goal is. But they give us this symbolism. So A, feminine form Ayurveda is, it must be adapted to the time, the place, and the people in which it's being presented. If I go teach this stuff to a group of women who are, from the you know tennessee who grew up southern baptist who and i mean this respectfully shop at costco i'm going to have to present this in a very different way than if i'm talking to you and we learned this in ayurveda if you don't have enough digestive fire then you need to turn things into warm mushy soup so the symbolism is the symbol of the yin and the yang and that is the feminine and the masculine so this is a long drawn out way to say Feminine form Ayurveda has on one level nothing to do with being a woman, but on another level, everything to do with the way our brain and our uterus and our hormone system works. But let's keep it simple. All men and women have this masculine and feminine. The masculine principle is in one respect, the, the, okay, let me keep it medical because it'll get too complicated. And I think for your listeners, this will serve them the best. Med masculine form says there's something wrong here let's take the parasite cleanse <laughs> who i love dr todd he's a friend of mine micro formulas i love their protocol here's me literally saying yay but it's masculine form let's go in and we think we're being holistic and we are if we compare it to a pharmaceutical maybe but we're really not it's still allopathic Something's wrong, let's slice it out, let's kill it, let's get rid of it. Let's change something. Great, all very helpful. 
if you have a tumor, we need to be a good surgeon, okay? Masculine medicine has traditionally think, seen things as separate entities, as a machine. Femin now, what is feminine form? Feminine form is the field in which all the problems are popping up. And in that field, we are all having problems popping up that are related to one another. So that Hashimoto's disease that some of our listeners may have developed when they were in college and going through a really stressful time is completely related to the fact that maybe in college they were sexually assaulted or had a rough year, right? Lost a parent. I'm using mixes of examples from students' lives, right? In Ayurveda, we treat the field, the entirety of who you are, and we pay premise, we pay honor to, and we give primacy to the feminine before the masculine. And if you want to have good sex, you need to make sure that the feminine is happy before the masculine's happy, because we all know how long the masculine lasts. If we want to be happy it, medically, we must take into account the emotional state of the human. That's the feminine before we kill the parasites. If we want to be happy on the, on, on, with your wife or your husband, we have to make sure it's like, if mama's happy, ain't nobody's happy. Ain't nobody happy. So it really is playing primacy with that feminine. And what we've done is we've reversed it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I include myself in this, Lisa. I include you. I include everyone on the call because we've inherited a system that has paid primacy to the masculine form. Now, this is what's incredibly important that we know. We are not being asked to shift gears to become into the feminine. We are being asked to invite both of them onto the field so that the best and most awakened aspect of the masculine and the best and most awakened aspect of the feminine can come out and play. Because let me tell you, I'm really grateful for a lot of the things that the masculine has done. And that's being forgotten in a lot of these circles of the divine feminine. It's like, no, it is both because it's all inside you. I mean, I could talk for hours on this, Lisa, you know this, but but I'm really feeling called in my own self to, to make peace and, and not and lay down the weapons of war that are inside me. And, and that's my own inner wounded masculine who's at war. Mm -hmm. And if you don't think, and I know this isn't you, but I think people think, oh, we'll come into the feminine. It's this great realm. Are you kidding me? I've never hung out with a group of all women for a week. I have. It's banana sandwich. And we <laughs> are so manipulative. We can be catty. We can gossip. We can tear each other down. And that's why I wanted to create Shakti School. It's like the principal teaching of, of Tantra for women is that you are sisters and the secret isn't you create your reality the secret ladies out there is that when women support women our superpower triples quadruples a hundredfold the secret is that we've been pulled apart from one another we don't even live together anymore we used to and so 
on that level, feminine form is about making a radical commitment to not gossip about your sister, to uplift your girlfriends, to surround yourself with women who, who see the real you and are cheering the bigger and better and brighter and bodacious you to come to the surface. And, and, and lovingly saying, this isn't a good fit for me at this time to any woman in your life who's not ready to meet you there. That's feminine form. And I mean, stop me now, Lisa, because I'll I'll keep going. <laughs> you don't have to stop. I mean, I it, yes, yes. I I heard this incredible teaching. Um, it was just so beautiful because it was so simple, but it was simply the feminine is the chaos, and the masculine is the order, mm. and it's balancing the order and the chaos. It really is. And, and yeah, so we could go, we could talk for an hour just about that. <laughs> and maybe we should, and we'll do another podcast together and have a two hour version. But Lisa, like if you go to other systems, for example, the Taoist Tantra or the Chinese system, it's the exact opposite. And they say that the feminine is the endless ground of being. And that makes sense because she's the womb space and the womb is emptiness. Mm. And the masculine is the active principle because think about your sperm and egg. The egg, the egg just sits there waiting mm -hmm. and receptive and empty. And the sperm runs like mad, like a chaotic wild man to meet her. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you put two sperm in a Petri dish, they will kill each other. Mm. They will, they are active, they're chaotic, they're wild, they're, they're, they're competitive. If you put two eggs together in a Petri dish, they just snuggle. <laughs> I mean, so like, <laughs> You know, so, so, but you're speaking to the Hindu Tantra and it says that the feminine mm. is chaotic. And, and why I bring that up, we need to know both of these mythologies because mm. the, the Hindu Tantra is speaking to the endocrine system of women. That is, mm. we are four different chemical people throughout the month before menopause. And so we have a lot more emotions right? We have, a, we do have a much more chaotic experience. Now, of course, I'm speaking generally, but this tends to be true. And so, but I just want the listeners to know, like in other systems, they, they reverse it. And Lauren Hill in one of her rap songs says, you're popping yang, like you got yin. <laughs> because she is so smart and understood all yang creativity comes from that yen realm of the feminine. Mm -hmm. it, the, the, but the bigger point is, you know, one of my mentors, Dr. Claudia Welch is like, you can call it Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire. You, you could call it whatever, blue and red. It's not about being a man or a woman. It's about this acknowledgement that reality is the experience of duality. Duality mm -hmm. is a thing in, in nature, right? And so- yeah the more we can understand and honor the duality of nature in ourselves, we can really start to make huge inroads, not only in our personal healing, but our cultural and social healing. Yeah. Exclamation point for that and underline. And th this is good because this spirals right into this concept of quantum femininity. We've been exploring it in the community. And this is like everything to me. And I want to share, if you don't mind, I have this quote from Anais Nin that I think sums up everything. So she says, we do not grow absolutely or chronologically. 
We grow sometimes in one dimension and not in another, unevenly. We grow partially. We are relative. We are mature in one realm, childish in another. The past, present, and future mingle and pull us backward, forward, or fix us in the present. We are made up of layers, cells, and constellations. Mm. I mean, that's it. And as you were reading the teaching that came to me, thank you so much. It, it was, and this is the beginning point of compassion. Mm. I mean, I just recorded a podcast. We haven't put it out yet, and it's on eating disorder, disordered eating, and it's with Marissa, one of our teachers at Shakti School. And I mean, I basically started crying halfway through the podcast. And you know, you kind of want to like have your stuff kind of digested before you present it publicly, <laughs> but it doesn't <laughs> doesn't always work out that way. And yeah, and that quote really was a healing balm for me because what what we really want on the human realm and what I'm ever more clear that I want isn't perfection. It's that we want to feel real mm -hmm. and we want others to see that we're real and say, I see you and you're real and, and what I see is good. And so, you know, I, I mean, Lisa, you'll get this too. When you have a, when you have a public platform, there's a way that we can almost sense and maybe it's self self-directed, but there's like a projection that happens that if you're a leader, you have all your shit together, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and sometimes those of us that are in leadership positions are kind of um, compelled because we struggle the most, mm -hmm. you know? And so that quote kind of reminded me of, of, just how many layers. And I was having this conversation with a friend the other day of how many, how many teachers I've met, gurus, you know, self-help development teachers, biohacking celebrities. And when you hang out with them after the, you know, lights are off and the cameras are gone and the podcasts aren't being recorded and you kick it with them, you start to see their wackiness. And they're sometimes like, weird bad stuff where you're like whoa and like <laughs> how do you reckon with that and 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 um and what i've realized is that the more i'm able to really forgive myself and see and love all of the aspects of that that me that feminine love of a mother it comes online and that's helped me understand how someone can be so awake and eloquent and, and alive in some realms and so asleep in other realms. Cause that's, that's me too. Mm -hmm. Well, and what you're saying, it activates me what you're saying, because you know, the, the time of the guru has ended really. And I, I think what you're speaking to is so profoundly a part of that, which is not only do we want realness, but we want to be on the same playing field. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and the, the time of this idolization and this, that I can't reach that it's, it's that recognition of the, I am right. Like I am that. Yeah. I'm so glad that you are, and you articulated it so well, the, the time of the guru 
is the, the guy on the stage is over and hallelujah for that you know it makes me think of a teaching from peruvian shamanism that says that the the lion or maybe it's the the um it's one of these big cats right big impressive cats the lion let's say it is sits down beside the ant in the sacred circle and i love that because he's still a lion and he's still an ant and neither good nor bad but my god they're very different right and they have different dharmas or roles and and that's really what i see of the future of spiritual awakening and, and spiritual teaching and and self um uh, enlivenment and enheartenment is this deep understanding that the community is the guru and there will be, we are nat natural beings and in nature there are natural hierarchies and so I've really thought a lot about this because we, when we meet in Shakti school, we, we were very much a circle of women. I don't ever consider myself better than anyone there. And I'm going to hold it down as the leader in that moment, because that enables the women in the room for one three hour period in their week to not have to keep it together for everyone else. Mm -hmm. And it's because of that willingness to be the leader. A true leader, it says like the, 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 the crown weighs very heavy on a real king. A, a real leader says, I'm gonna eat last. You eat first. I'm gonna hold space so that you can actually feel and process and be. I'm gonna hold this, and if you think about a lover, wow, how does it feel when a woman gets to be sexually light and to be seen as light and to be adored as beautiful and to be in orgasmic bliss and to have a masculine presence. Of course, it can be lesbians, whatever, right? One is going to play that role of I've got you and I see you and you can go wild and I'm going to hold you. And that's what a good leader is doing if we're talking about a teacher student. Of course, we're sexually attracted to our teachers. <laughs> They're holding space for you. And, you know, it's not like, oh, poor me. But like being a teacher, oh, my God, sometimes I just want to say to students, like you guys have no idea how vulnerable it is to be a teacher when you're not acting like a guru, when you mm -hmm. are being real. I am naked to the extent to which I want to disrobe. So I really believe, going back to this idea of the, the new guru, that the next iteration really will be that capacity to acknowledge leadership while at the same time taking everybody off these pedestals. It harms you who are placing people on pedestals and it harms those who are on the pedestal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it takes you away from yourself. And it, it's... Uh... I've been doing readings, psychic readings for 15 years. And I can tell you like what's so incredible about the shift that's happening in this time frame and in this awakening is we really can access it ourselves. And handing that back is so incredible to be able to say, listen, everyone can do this. Everyone. Everyone can do it. And like you said, it's really about holding space for each other and empowering each other and 
giving permission to try that you can do it because that's what we lost to feel is this trust in ourselves, you know, clear back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was 2019. I read witches, midwives and healers. And at the time it infuriated me, but it also really inspired me because it's like, we have all the tools and we have all the answers deep inside. And, and that's part of what I think quant- this idea or this concept of quantum femininity is it's infinite. Our, our knowledge and our awareness and, and what we know inside of ourselves about our own bodies and about God is this infinite, incredible. And, you know, I know you know this. The yogis talk about, you know, healing seven generations back and seven generations forward. But it's it's so infinite. Yeah. <laughs> Forget seven. <laughs> yeah. I want to I want to. Sp- just highlight one of the things you said, and and that is, um, we can do it ourselves. And so here's that mudra I keep pulling up. I mean, I got to find what the name of this mudra is, where she's holding fire and water. You sense, Lisa, and what I sense and what I've been through, because I was in a, a guru student relationship for 10 years that, um, I had to end because of the problematic nature. And it was, that's like, uh, I wrote a whole book about it that I'll never publish. Like I just needed Mm -hmm. to tell a really long story to myself to kind of process it. But through that experience, which I'm very grateful for, I now have direct access to the divine. And when when I invite, and anyone can do it, when I invite that force in, those of you out there listening may be like, but I've tried and I don't feel anything. And what I'll say to you is I, I get that and I've, I know that feeling, but it's a relationship. And the more you pause and, and ask that divine matrix to come in, or my, my mentor calls it the matrix of support, it is showing up and you do feel it, but then we doubt it. It's that self-doubt. That's the the self-doubt is like a crow pecking on a tree with its beak until mm-hmm. the tree's just full of holes. That's what self-doubt does to your spiritual practice. And so, yes, you've got it. You have a direct line to the divine mother, father, it, immediate. It's always there. She's just waiting on you and he's just waiting on you. And I have an amazing mentor who gives me, and we kind of even spoke to this two days ago, the, the tools and processes and that's why i created ayurveda school we're going to give you guys the tools and the processes in this ancient compository of good information so that you can find who you are and you can find that deep connection and so it's like we are whether we like it or not because trust me it would be so much easier if we just didn't need each other but the thing is the bible says when two or more are gathered in my name There's something about being with you, Lisa. I can feel the depth of your practice. I can feel the years you've dedicated to this and the lifetimes. And when I sit with you, I'm in the presence of a sister who's vibrating in a similar place as me. And then I get to just feel like my my sister's here. And what you say uplifts me and what hopefully I've said uplifts you. And everybody here is a sister, right? And we uplift one another. I couldn't do that if I were just sitting on the couch. It would be a different experience if I were meditating alone because God made our brains to be relational so that we need one another. 
And for me, you know, my friend Tracy Stanley, who's one of the teachers at Shakti School, she's like, the new guru is the Sangha. The new guru, mm -hmm. the communities we're creating. Yes. 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 So we're all going to have to get together at some point, IRL. Oh, so agree. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, we've we've been building this community in here in YouTube that's now extended into its own platform. And what you're saying, I mean, I can't even tell you. Like, community is everything. And I think um, so. I've been re-listening to all of the classes because 2020 was crazy. Let's just admit out loud. So I've been reintegrating. I'm like, I need to integrate, you know, all of these teachings, everything that happened in 2020 in Shakti school. And there was, uh, Mary Thompson said something in one of the videos about yourselves being a community and how much yourself, I mean, this was like two days ago is how much yourselves need community. And I was like, yes. And here we are talking about it again. It's like spirit cannot stop accentuating the importance of community. It's so awesome because it is so important. It's everything I feel. It is. And as a, as a introvert who extroverts really well, I, I just came back from five days of being in a, 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 a community. I went to a, a conference and a bunch of kind of biohacky people and spiritual people. And, and, and I realized how 2020 through now, like the great loss was the things that so many of us took for granted. I know I did that. I didn't realize until I went and hung out with a group of 50 people. Now we all got tested that day and we did it in a safe way. But then once that was out of the way, we were hugging, we were touching, we were cracking up, we were, you know, and I, and it just reminded me so many of these biohacks that we've had to create are an outcome of a basic lack of community, not only with humans, but with nature. Now, I'm not an idealist who wants to create a commune and, you know, I don't have any sort of fantasies although a little bit but like i'm well aware that like many people tried this in the 1970s to create the communes and like turned into really weird things but what what i do feel the longing in myself and so many is is this idea of community but what i think is even deeper is that we want to be seen and we want to see others we want to be seen and recognized for who we really are because you can make the commune, you can get your farmland, you can invite, you know, your 10 friends and get their yurts. But until we, this is Buddhist biohacker, right? Come into that Buddha nature, that silence, that presence, that sense of self that can hold space to see and be seen. We're always going to be hungry for the community, mm -hmm. right? Like create community through our willingness to be seen and yeah. to well, and, and in that way, the whole world becomes your community. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and, you know, it's when we can be in community with those who aren't in the same space as us, I, you know, the most profound healing experience I ever had was 
meditating with my candida. <laughs> I had a yeast packet on my altar, on my puja, and I sat with it and I sang to it and I held space for it and it healed. And obviously there were other things I did very linearly as well, but I really, what you're saying, it's like, that's what we need now. Like we, we want to be in community, not just with the like-minded people, but with everyone. Like it's time for us to stop battling. I feel because wow. we battle in the body and then we battle with each other. And it just, the thing about the tantric teachings from his holiness that just always, there's like one, a couple things that really in my practice, but one of them is that, you know, it's a secret <laughs> who gets those initiations. And so you're reminded, and he sat on a stage and pointed at us and was like, remember, everyone is a Vajra Tantra sister or brother. And I think that energy and that space is what we want to hold. Because even in the spiritual community, there's so much divisiveness and, oh, we're in this battle of light and dark and and this understanding that, no, actually, they they're, we want them to be together. <laughs> That's the ending of the story. That's the beautiful, perfect ending is that we're in community with each other, no matter who we are or what we think or any of that. Here's the mudra. Mm -hmm. It's like, yes, I don't want to eat processed sugar and invite narcissists into my bedroom. <laughs> and you put that, you, you did the ancient shamanic practice that is Tantra, that is Ayurveda, that is Vajrayana, it, of feeding the demon. And what we realized through feeding the demon is that the demon was never a demon. And when you've napalmed your gut, not you, but you know those of us born at the time you and I probably were similar in 1980s and, and around then, our bellies got trashed by roundup and that's why my mom and your mom's gut microbiome is way better off than me and you and these 60 and 70 year olds are like partying right now and eating and they're fine whereas like the 30 40 50 year olds are like wtf you know especially 40s and under and you know 45 and under so my point with all that is when you when you bomb a field with napalm which is what Roundup does to the gut microbiome. And that's doesn't matter even if your mom fed you organic, it, it got into our systems. Then on top of it, 1980s were when all the moms were like giving us all these antibiotics for everything. That's another bomb. So when you do that, the first thing that grows back in a bombed field that's desiccated, it's fungus. Fungus is the way mother nature heals the field so of course we all have overgrowths of candida and parasites those are the things the soil instantly overproduces to try to self-heal you really inspired me because now i'm thinking about doing some of that on myself of like i've never thought about singing to my candida <laughs> But what a little song, let me tell you. I it, it's a powerful thing to just 
I did that with parasites. I did it with candida and I did it with mold. They all have their own little song. <laughs> Jeez, that's incredible. We need to have you on spirit sessions and we should sing them. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm in this place with my own relationship to food, having studied all of this stuff and all the rules and then all the biohacking. And I'm so into health like you, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to continue to, I have an incredible naturopathic doctor and I take all these amazing plant stem cells and like basically homeopathic stuff that's so gentle. Uh, so I'm going to keep doing all my things, but the missing piece for me had been the intuitive eating and the really being with the food, even though of course I wrote a whole book about this. Write the book we should have, we should be reading every day. But yeah. it's because it's so sweet. Something changes when you pray to your candida or you sing songs over your food or you, it mm -hmm. comes down to this thing of ahimsa. You won't yeah. harm, you won't harm yourself. And in a way, perhaps the candida felt your love and ahimsa. Mm. You know? I just, I wonder what you think is the reason that when you started being kind to your candida that it that it left it in your mind what what shifted it i think it was presence hmm. i think we just aren't present when we eat we're not present with our food we often don't cook food i laugh because i went to culinary school and my specialty was baking and pastry and then i found out i was allergic to wheat barley, malt, and dairy. And I thought, oh, well, this is funny. Um, and, but I know why, because my whole journey is my relationship with food, right? Just like you said, I wrote a book too. And the book is like, oh, look, this is how I'm supposed to be present with myself when I eat. <laughs> and it's so hard, but that's what I think it was. Because I think when you become present, you become attuned to the frequency that you want in your body. And suddenly you make completely different choices. So it wasn't so much that the candida left as much as it just didn't need to shout at me anymore. Mm. You know, I mean, I think that's really what it was. I mean, there's a lot of layers to it for sure. Right. You took a bunch of stuff that actually probably helped as well. I mean, I think mm -hmm. that's the whole idea of the Ayurvedic koshas where you work on every single level simultaneously and you can't leave out any of them. I mean, you you and I both know you can pray and sing to your candida all day long, but in that interim period, if you're eating ding-dongs and Kit Kat bars, <laughs> it's not going to work. Exactly. Whereas <laughs> you can like, eat raw meat and water and your candida will stay around if you aren't finding that emotional cause or that spiritual disconnect. Yeah, you have to have both. I mean, you have to have both. You have to have the self-inquiry and at the same time do the work. And my my challenge now is actually pretty funny because now instead I don't have severe symptoms. I cured my Hashimoto's. I've eliminated parasites and candida and cleared out the mold toxins. And, and now my battle is this lovely extra kappa matter I have because I don't, I'm not trying to eat to save my life in, in a dramatic way. Yeah. And so now this is the next journey. Just like you said, there's always a journey, you know? So the next 
journey, emotional journey is, well, why, what are, where are these choices coming from? You know, where are they coming from now? You mm. know, why am I holding this now? Like, mm. why did I need to think I was going to leave the earth in order to make a change? And now, you know, it's like, <laughs> you have to go through that process too. So it's always like, there's always something else to deepen, but that's to yeah. me, I thrive on that obviously, or I wouldn't do what I'm doing today, but, but you know, it's, there's challenges to that because it's all the emotional, it's the trauma. Like you said, it's the trauma of, you know, what are we trying to feed? What are we trying to hide from? What are we distracting ourselves from? I mean, there's all those things. It's funny. We're talking about this again, because I just recorded a podcast on it two days ago <laughs> and it's every single woman I know. Every woman I know has a disconnect of spirit between her relationship with food and self, mm -hmm. including this kid right here. And I'm healing it right now. And it's two steps forward, one back, right? Mm -hmm. I ate outside in the sunshine, feeling so grateful for the sun. And I ate this beautiful meal without any distractions for the first time in a really long time. And I wrote a fucking book about this, everyone listening. It, and, and yet, I want to give self-forgiveness because this has been the mode that I have used since I was probably born, but definitely since I was a little girl to get fed and to nourish myself on, on the deepest level I could at the time. And I want to speak to this idea of kapha or, you know, in this case, we might be talking about more matter. It's fat, muscle, water, earth element. Every psychic woman I've known has had extra kapha. It's kind of a trope, uh, you know, kind of a, a joke, a, a pattern. And yet I think it makes complete sense. And that is, and I'm, I consider myself one of you all, right? And I got all the junk in the trunk, you know, it's like <laughs> a certain amount we need, right? But mm -hmm. we're so damn sensitive. And I mean that as a compliment, right? And there's mm -hmm. a way that, we have to continually remind ourselves that we get to be here and we don't have to leave. And that in some of the psychics I've known, we put on that barrier between us and the world, a little bit of that earth and water to protect. And the more I'm learning how to self-soothe my nervous system and to receive nervous system co-regulation with you and the environment I'm in, nature, the more I learn how to down-regulate the nervous system, the more my little wounded self realizes that I'm safe now. Mm -hmm. I mean, girlfriend, talk about quantum femininity. I mean, it's going to make all of us weep. Like, we haven't felt safe to be here as witchy women for so long. And it doesn't mean we need to identify as that. You know, I, I don't, I think there's also a harm in being like, oh, well, I'm the witches you didn't burn. I, I'm not going to self-identify like that because maybe, probably, but the divine is now asking me, Katie Silcox, to be this whole other thing. And she's not a victim and she's not wounded. And she, you know what I mean? Like there, there can be yeah. a trap in like, oh, well, I'm the way I am because you burned me at the stake. It's like, let's, Let's honor that. But I think our listeners and, you know, we've got to, we've got to be moving towards what we're becoming. 
we're going to be out of time. And I have like a thousand things I want to say from what you just said, because yes, I mean, the, the biggest aha I had in Shakti school was, oh, I'm trying to stay in my body. So I'm creating more of it. Okay. <laughs> and um, it's incredible. I'm, I, I am a Vata Kappa dance. That's what I am. And um, the more I understand it, the more profound it is exactly what you're saying. And I could, oh, there's so much I could say. And we're out of time already. Time, there's no time in here, I feel. Um, I want to get some final words. I do have a couple quick announcements for everybody here. So just a couple reminders, everyone, that we do have Sacred Council here on YouTube next week, um, first Friday um, of the month. And I will share the transmission for December. So be ready for that. And then just a reminder, reminder too, that the Circles 22 is up on my website, lisamgunshore.com. And for 15 years, I've done year-end readings. And this year, I'm going to teach you how to do it instead. So it's a three-part series. So if you're interested in learning how to predict your 2022 and really get an overview of your esoteric themes and numerology come to that. Um, it's only $13 a class, you guys. So come and do that. So those are my little announcements. And Katie, I just love you so much. I mean, I really do. I, I, I don't know how I found you. I don't know how that happened and it doesn't matter. But the minute I did, I signed up for Shakti school and I'm hoping to continue to level two next year. And I just, um, what you teach and what you embody is is so important. We didn't even get into Yantra and all that like I wanted to because there's not enough time. But um, what would you like to share? Like, what do you have going on and what's upcoming? I have um, all of your websites and Shakti School and everything going across the screen. But what would you like to share with everybody before we close? Well, yeah, like I, I want you to know what a gift this has been. And, you know, I'm teaching this group of women and I don't know who's there and I don't know what they're doing. And so for me to be able to just spend an hour with you, this has been a great gift to me. And I'm just so proud of you. I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by you and what you've created. And yeah, likewise, I feel, I feel the love and I'm sending it back. And what I would love to let everybody know is that level one, which is what you just did, Lisa, uh, starts January 12th. And um, I would love to have anybody that wants to, to be in Ayurveda school for a year with us come, come on board. And um, if you mention this podcast with Lisa, we'll give you guys a $100 off coupon. Just say, I heard about it on the Buddhist Biohacker and we'll give you a, 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 I mean, a $100 off. Um, and I think Lisa knows this better than anyone. It is an Ayurveda certification. You will be able to be an Ayurveda health coach, but it's also just a place where a woman can heal and find her deeper calling. And, and, you know, so we have people that come that have no intention of using it for their career. And we have most people come that, uh, that don't. And then we have a lot of ladies that do. And so it, it's so much more than an Ayurveda certification. And we would, any, any listener of yours, I'm sure would be a really great fit for the program. Yeah, it's my own personal testimonial is it I mean, it really um, it really connected the dots of all of the years of health research and work for myself and the spiritual 
component is really important to me and it's so integrated in the program. So um, yeah, for everybody out there, it's awesome. And I love being able to do that work now with everyone. And uh, absolutely, I'm continuing my journey for sure. So thank you so much, Katie. This has been awesome. Thank you to everyone who's been a part of it. I love your comments and just everybody that's sharing. And um, thank you so much. And we'll see you guys next week here on YouTube. And I'll see the rest of you guys in Atacasa. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, lady.